This is the Side Hustle Show with Nick Loper, episode 27. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. Hey everybody, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. This is episode 27. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're going to want to get your pen and paper handy to take some notes like crazy during this one. My friend Jonathan Shank is here from yourfirstvirtualassistant.com and we're talking all about outsourcing for side hustlers today. You can tell um, from the call, we both, we both love this stuff. Tons of actionable advice and takeaways. Be sure to check all the links and notes at sidehustlenation.com slash episode 27. Or if you're driving and can't take notes, definitely check there once you safely reach your destination. Now, one quick shout for a new five-star iTunes review. This one comes from Nick Gelso from the Beats and Eats podcast. He says... He's re-energized. Thanks, Nick. Uh, your show has fa- your show is fantastic information. Uh, keep bringing uh, the phenomenal guests. So, Nick, thank you so much for that. And with that, let's get uh, Jonathan on the line and get right into it. Jonathan, welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Hey, thanks for having me. Jonathan, thank Shank, I should say, the outsource guy, is a side hustler who's been using virtual assistants both during his day job and in his business for years. He's got a real passion for helping other people get started with outsourcing and share some of his best tips at yourfirstvirtualassistant.com. We'll check that. We're going to get the best tips here today on this show for Side Hustle Nation. So, Jonathan, let's start out like kind of at the very beginning. Like, why why outsource? Sure. Um I was, like a lot of people, I was turned on to it when I read Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Work Week. I thought the allure of getting a whole team of people working for you and basically being able to leverage your time was pretty awesome. Um, but really, just starting out, uh, it, the bottom line is it can open up a whole world to literally literally millions of people out there uh, with with all sorts of skills out there. And so once you once you have your first successful... Uh, outsourcing endeavor doing just about anything you kind of get the bug and you get excited and it kind of just changes your mindset and you're like well what else can I try I've been there I've been there I really like that (laughs) point about leveraging this global talent pool because you don't have to do everything yourself and I'm I'm really bad at this like I um, have had a hard time delegating even in you know school like group projects and stuff Mm -hmm. my theory was like hey if I want it done right I'm gonna have to do it myself and right. then, you know, if you want to build a business to, that scales to any sort of level, even stuff you don't, like, have the expertise to deal with, um, like, I'm not a talented designer or or a web developer or anything like that. And so, you know, when I was uh, trying to contract out my first website, I didn't really have any choice. Like, I could learn how to program, which I'm, I may still be learning eight years later, or I could hire somebody to to get it done. And so that was that was kind of the only option. So I, I'm totally with you on that point. It's not so much outsourcing anymore as it's just sourcing. Like everything has kind of gone virtual, gone remote, gone global. So I think that's um, that's a really cool stuff. So what kind of what was your first experience with outsourcing? One of the first things I outsourced was. I needed to find a bunch of potential contacts for a product I was developing, and I needed to do it in a hurry. And I realized that in order to basically get a contact list of potential prospects, um, 
it was going to take me hours and hours and hours online to be able to do that search. So I spent, I spent, and I didn't realize at the time, but I was fortunate in my method whereby instead of just trying to hire someone out of the gate and be really vague and say, hey, I need someone to do research. And in my case, it was for in the acoustic industry. In the acoustic industry, I actually spent a couple hours and figured out and did some research myself. And then I had a template that I could use and give to other people and say, hey, I need to find contacts that can do X and they have these type of keywords. And here's an example of a company that's good and here's an example of a company that's bad. So I actually had really good luck on my first project out of the gate just because by happenstance I gave someone a template for the type of thing I was doing. And I think I ended up spending $60 for 30, 35 hours of work and I got a couple hundred good contacts. So, I mean, that was like, you know, a week's worth of work right off the bat that I didn't have to do. Wow, that's huge. That's huge. And then, and this is kind of the thing that has been brought up over and over again on on the podcast, I think. Um, <laughs> Josh Isaac from, uh, from Get My Sky, the CRM software, mentioned a similar thing, like doing research for uh, potential clients. And, he's, you know, he's scrubbing these big um, databases of different companies and ha- having somebody on Odesk do it for, for $10. You know, this saves him like a day's worth of, of labor. So I think that's a really powerful leverage tool. Um, now, how did you get over? Were you were you making money at this time? Because I have a hard time spending money where there's nothing coming in or where I don't see the immediate ROI. Right. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't make money for a number of months. Um, but the way I looked at it, I looked at it like I just set aside a certain amount a month. I think it was like 200 bucks just to kind of invest in the business because I realized that not only was I going to be able to get a lot of work done, um, I was also going to be developing a skill that was going to help me in the future. So I kind of saw it as an investment in, in myself and, and the company as well. So I, I, didn't have a, I didn't have much trouble doing it. And I guess, honestly, the other thing, too, I really enjoyed working with the people and developing the relationships. So it was not, it's not as if, well, I, I got to pay $200 for the electric bill. It's like I got to pay $200 and then I get to work with like 10 to 15 people that are going to teach me more about particular <laughs> types of business that I'm not aware of. So, yeah, it's a fun uh, it's a fun experiment uh, when you're starting out for sure too. <laughs> so what other um you what other kind of jobs and tasks have you uh have you used outsourcing for? Sure. Well, I'm going to throw a a little bit of an oddball one out there just to get people thinking. Um uh when I was, you know, just to a couple months ago, I was thinking about rolling over my 401k from an old job, and this guy was giving me advice that I just didn't. I just I didn't understand where he's coming from, and I didn't agree with him, but I didn't know enough about what he was saying to refute it. And I didn't really care. I didn't. I didn't want to spend a bunch of time. I actually went on Odesk and found a guy in Bangalore who's a financial analyst who's who's used to used to uh, doing these really high profile, you know, um, risk mitigation things. And I hired him for a couple hours just to go through my profile and, and tell me, you know, if, if, uh, if how I should, a- how I should uh, allocate things. And, and the reason I did that was because I recognized that there's a lot, if, if you know where to look, you can find experts in lots of different areas that can, that can really bring you up to speed. It's like a personal mentor. And if you think about like all these gurus and all these like 
you know, all, all this material that you would pay, you know, you hear people online, boy, I would pay $500 if I could take their course or whatever. You can find a lot of experts on Odesk or other places as well if you just know how to find them. And so I had this guy basically sit down and, and I think I paid him like 10 bucks an hour or something. Um, but in three hours, he just, he just gave me some awesome advice that saved me thousands and thousands of dollars because I ended up not investing with this other guy because I realized like the fallacy of, of what he was saying. Um, so, you know, just that's kind of, I know that's not a typical use, but if you know how to find people that are particular experts in a specific area, you can get some really great information in a short amount of time. Yeah, that's not a typical use case, but I, I kind of like that example because it's you, the, the breadth of these marketplaces. We're talking about specifically Odesk in this case is so huge. Like I've, you know, beyond. So I've done, um, you know, web development, uh, some design stuff, some like software tweaking, um, some research, some writing projects, um, you know, videos, voiceover, like the voiceover for this podcast right. is on Fiverr. <laughs> um you know, some personal, some legal stuff. So similarly, like I had, you know, uh, outsourced to a, a lawyer that I found on Elance. Um, and it's just like, you know, you have that feedback mechanism that's built into these platforms. So rather than searching somebody locally and looking on Yelp for reviews and, you know, paying California prices, you know, you right. can find somebody on, on Elance. This, in my case, this person actually happened to be in California, but she was much less than like the local yeah, yeah. people. I think that's a that's a really interesting um, it's a really interesting use case. Yeah, and I think what one key that really helped me about a year ago is when I realized that when I'm going and I'm and I'm doing any type of job, it's not so much about I give a certain amount of money and I get this knowledge or I get this service back. It's I get an opportunity to talk to someone who who is an expert on a particular field, and and they they will give me the time of day because it makes sense for. Um, where they are in life, where they are, where they live. It makes sense for them, for me to pay them, you know, a, a, an amount of money that I can afford. And so when you realize that for 10 to $15 an hour, you can literally get people that are PhDs or specialists or financial analysts or, or whatever, and they want to talk to you. Um, and, and if you post something in a couple hours, you can start getting those contacts. And, you know, forget forget the, the money. Just think in terms of if I need an advisor, what's the quickest way to do it? Even if I had $1,000 and I wanted to find an advisor in the next two hours, that would be very difficult for me to do. It's just the availability that the, that the web affords you and the way that if you know how to post a job and you know how to vet the candidates and find people that actually – have the skills you're looking for. Once you've developed that, you can you can really go to town and, and find people. So you know, in a, in a couple hours, you could be talking on on Skype right away and get your your question answered. Yeah, somebody once told me they had a rule where it's like if you if you've like struggled with some problem, say it's on your website, like I want to move this button over here, I can't figure out how to get it done. Like once you spend 15 minutes on that problem. And you can't figure it out, then that's when you, you know, go to Odesk, go to Elance, uh, say, hey, somebody come help me. I'm going to figure this out and right, just right. Get, it, get it off your plate. It's like somebody's going to come on. It's going to take $10 and they're going to fix it for you. So I think <laughs> that's a good way to But let's talk about your – so you said, hey, if you, if you know what you're doing, like if you write the job description, right? So what do you – like what's your best practice for, for putting together that job description and weeding out the candidates that come back? 
Sure. Well, well, for me, I, I have developed a process I call the Apple Method. Um, the first thing is the A, which is the assessing the need. And I think a really, ti- really, t- uh, a lot of times, before you even get to the point where you're looking at the candidates and seeing if they're any good, you really have to figure out what skill set you need and what skill set you don't. And that's a step. That's a step. A lot of times, people skip. Um, you know, take a simple example of. of um, trying to do a website. Um, you say, all right, well, I've got WordPress, and I'll just find someone to help me with my site. Well, if you say you're using the thesis theme, for instance, and you're using a specific plugin and, and this and that, if you keep in mind, all right, if I find someone who's using thesis, um, then that's going to be more useful. And, and you kind of think through a, a bit uh, as far as the type of work that you're looking for. Um, and again, it's not like sitting down and thinking deeply for 20 minutes is just thinking through for a minute or like take a one to two minutes and just say what are the skills that would be useful and what are the skills that will not be useful because because a lot of times when you post just about any type of job you will get a lot of people that say hey I'm a great fit for you and most of the people that say that are not going to be a good fit obviously it's good to find someone who you know has a really high score if it's on Odesk for instance uh, 4.8 or 4.5 out of 5 stars is really good. But one of the things that I kept forgetting, I'd find someone had a really good rating, um, but if their experience they have, you know, they might even say in their description, like uh, uh, web research, and and they got a 4.99 out of 5, and they got 2,000 hours, and they have all these really good reviews, and you hire them, but then you go back to their profile, and you realize that most of their experience was like in transcription. And you realize they've only done one job in in web research, mm-hmm. but they just they just list it because a lot of VAs they'll just list like fifty different things that they do. You know, they just throw everything out there. I can do WordPress, I can do editing, I can do graphics, you name it. But you really have to go and you have to see if they have relevant experience and and, and a lot of it for the specific job that you're looking to do. Yeah, this is the specialization of labor. You can really hone it down to to somebody with the exact skills you're looking for. Now, do you put in a, do you put in a disclaimer? Like, hey, I'm looking for somebody with, uh, you know, a WordPress programmer who knows thesis in and out. Um, do you put stuff like, you know, do not apply if, I don't know, what's the example? Like, right, if, right. Uh, actually, I don't. Uh, I don't like it. I, one pet peeve of mine is I've seen I, I've seen a lot of people and they post jobs and you can you can tell when we can tell when people have been burnt before because they're like, do not apply. If uh, you are from Southeast Asia and you have no experience and you're going to bother me five times a day, you know, it's like, <laughs> what? Come on! Uh, I, I know, I know, not, I know you're not suggesting you go to that level, but the thing is, no matter what I put in there, there are going to be a good number of people that are just going to apply regardless. They're going to click apply, and boop, that's it. Um, so what I like to do to mitigate that. Is I like to find instead of thinking what do I not want people to do, I like to think what would my ideal candidate do, and so that's where I'd be more likely to put in like the Easter egg where I say please start your message with you know slotty bod fast or just just some <laughs> some keyword, and then you know right away when you get those 50 applicants that 20 of them that don't have that didn't read to the bottom of your description, and they weren't detailed enough to start with that. You know, you can just skip them right away. Because no matter what you do, people are not going to say, oh, well, I don't have that, you know, and I'm not going to apply. That, that usually doesn't happen. And it also <laughs> makes you appear a little less professional to the people that you're really interested in hiring. 
Yeah, I kind of like the Easter egg method. You can ask people for their favorite movie. You can say, hey, please begin your reply with um, the one I've used in the past. Hey, Nick, you'd be dumb not to hire me because. And then, you know, go into your thing. And I'm like, don't worry. I can take it. You know, be brutal. Like, you know, really, really make your pitch. Okay. That's open ended because that's the other thing I like too is when people are really creative with with their response and and I found for myself that maybe this is just how I work but I like working with VAs that kind of push back that VAs that know their stuff and they're confident and if I'm going down the wrong path they're going to tell me they're going to say look you're an idiot for doing it this way that's going to waste both of our times how would I do it this way and sometimes when you have the easter egg or like you said give a leading question you can kind of see that attitude come through and they're just they're confident uh, maybe a little cocky, but mainly they just know their stuff and they're, and they're not afraid to be like, hey, you'd be dumb not to hire me because I just blah, blah, blah. And they just like really rock your world. Or I just looked on your Facebook page and I saw this and you need to do that. And you're like, wow, they took an initiative to look me up. Yeah, you can totally tell the people who are, you know, just copying, pasting some form ladder versus <laughs> right. the people who are like actually, you know, replying to you specifically. That's a huge, that's a huge thing for me. Yeah, and and the thing with people like that is like you and I, we have a bond to them because they're entrepreneurs just like you. You know, we have a certain set of customers. Their customer is us, and so they relate to the fact that we're just trying to bust it and and trying to get something going. And they're doing the same thing, but maybe even more so because if they're in a country where you know they're get, they're losing power, you know, for two hours of the day, or or you know they they just didn't have as many advantages as we did growing up, or or whatever. The fact that they're talking with you and the fact that they're successful on on a particular site just shows you that they really already know how to hustle and they can help bring that to your team yeah i like to put a little bit of personality in the you know bullet points i think i can't remember the specifics but it was like you know your your organizational skills will make martha stewart blush and (laughs) your um you know you're you get a little more excited than you probably should over keyboard shortcuts or something you know and then you just like you you expect you show a little bit of personality and you expect to get some back and when you don't get some back that's kind of a red flag for me that's a great tip, actually. I'm going to write that one down. Okay, so we're up to, uh, I think we're still on the Apple method, right? And we've only done the A so far. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, if you want me to uh, blast through that real quick. Um, yeah, so so for A is the assess the need, and that's when you figure out what the heck you want done. Uh, P, the, the next P is when you post the job, and that's where we kind of talked about. You got the Easter eggs. Um, you have an idea for how much money the job's going to take because maybe you've done some searching. Um, you know, for, for certain jobs, if it's really specific, you might not have any idea how much it might cost to get, you know, a, a particular, like I said, a financial analyst. What's the going rate for a financial analyst? Um, yeah, get who a, knows? Get a ball so do you, um, do you do a fixed price bid or do you, or do you put it in as hourly? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, if it's going to be a short job, I tend to do fixed price. Uh, and if it's well defined, I know exactly what I want. I do a fixed price, so I do a lot of like five and ten dollar jobs because a lot of times that's that's the uh, that's the way that I vet them for future projects. I don't just need something done today because most short jobs I do, they you know you're going to spend two hours setting it up and managing them and all that, and it's going to take them two hours anyway. And so you you might just be setting them up for a larger project. So so in the case where it's well-defined, I'll, I'll do fixed price. Okay. However, if it's a sort of thing where it's, it can be kind of ongoing and it can be reoccurring, um, then I will do 
a um, hourly one because that has the advantage as well, uh, at least on a site like Odesk, is that you get a screen, you get a screenshot every 20 minutes of what they're doing. Um, so you can kind of look over their shoulder and and not to like because you don't trust them, but it's one of those things where really your skills it's it can be really difficult to explain exactly what you want. And so if I do if I do do a, a, a project that is um, based on an hourly basis, I usually just say, come back after like two to three hours and tell me what you've done. But right after, right out on the bat, you can kind of see what they're doing because you kind of get some little snapshots. And the other thing too, if they're just a real expert, like they're, they're a real whiz at like graphics or video or something that you're kind of interested in, you can kind of see the techniques they're using with the screenshots and you can learn a ton just by seeing how they did things. Uh, so I think that's kind of cool too. So so that that kind of it really it really depends on the type of job as far as which which one I pick. Yeah, I learned something from my VA just this summer. You know, we were working in in Microsoft um, Ad Center, Bing Ads, whatever it's called now. Right. And the software they've still got so far to go to catch up with Google's product, right? Right. And so it's so slow to load. Like every page takes. And so we have like four separate campaigns. And so what? You know, I've been done is like, okay, I've got to switch campaigns and I got to wait five minutes for the thing to load. And right. what she done is she should open up in four different tabs. It's like, why had I never thought of this? Yeah. It was yeah. like, oh my God, you're genius. Thank you so much. Like that saved me like, I don't know, probably hours over the course of the year. Right. It was, it was really, really cool. Okay. Yeah. So that's, um, okay. So that's post the job and what yeah. comes after that? So after that is once you get a, once you get candidates, then you're pre-screening. That's the second B, pre-screening the candidates. And that's where you see, did I have an Easter egg? How are they responding to you? Do they have attitude, like a good attitude? Uh, are they paying attention to you? Do they have relevant experience? Um, did they show initiative? That sort of thing. And, and that's when you start getting a whole bunch of candidates and, and you start going through the list as far as who might be good or not. At that point, once you're pre-screening the candidates, then you start um, contacting them. You can start to ask them a few follow-up questions. Um, a lot of times, if it's a simple job, you get like, you know, say you get 12 candidates in, in two hours, you might just contact two of them directly or just through Odesk or wherever, ask for their Skype information, and then just chat with them for a minute or two, and then you might make your decision there so, okay. you're, so you're off to the races. Um, but that's, you know, that's basically the, the pre-screening process. You just got to have a little bit of due diligence to make sure they got relevant experience. So they got a 4.5, 4.8 out of 10 or out of 5, and they've got a decent, decent number of hours. Um, that can be really good. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes. T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. 
When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Is there a cutoff where you won't uh, consider a candidate, like if they are brand new to the platform or, you know, if they have bad feedback or something? Right, right. Um, I think what, one thing, that I think you told me this, where if they, don't, if they have some no feedbacks, that can be a red flag as well. So I'll kind of look to see if they have more than one job where they don't have no, neither person left feedback. Cause usually that means it kind of went bad. Yeah. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> right. Right. So that's kind of a red flag. I tend to be leery about people that don't have any background, but the one exception to that is if I see someone and he doesn't, and they don't have much feedback at all, they're just starting off, but you look at their profile and they have a and they have a really strong educational background, like they've got a master's in something, or maybe even a doctorate. I've seen that a couple of times. Then you might, then, then you might be able to snag someone who's just starting off their freelancing career. And the cool thing is there is they're willing to have their rates might legitimately go twenty, thirty, forty, fifty dollars an hour because they're just they're just super experts in a particular field. Yeah. But if you but if you work with them at first, you can get them at a really low rate because they just need feedback or or I had a good exa- I had a good experience with a guy who uh, who was who was getting into doing apps. Uh, you know, and so he was uh, just starting off, but it seemed like he had a lot of good experience. And I saw some of his graphics, his profile, he seemed good. And, you know, I took a shot at him. And, and the cool thing is, again, it's not always just about the money and getting something for a good price. It's about the relationship. And you can, you can snag someone who's really an expert in a field while you can still try them out when they're, when they're not that expensive. If you treat them nice and, and you should treat them nice regardless. But but if they have a good experience, then they're going to remember you, and they're going to remember. Oh yeah, when I was just starting off, this guy helped me, and then he gave me some tips and showed me how I could fine tune my stuff to you know my my profile. And then you can actually get a really good bond with that person, and then you've you've made a great contact for life. Uh, you you know, granted their their prices will inevitably inevitably go up, but you've got that great research resource, and you can hit them up on Skype later with quick questions, and you can get a friendship out of it. So, yeah, I've had some success with a similar method. You know, people who are just getting started on the platform. Hey, I'm bidding cheap to uh, to build up my portfolio, and you see, hey, my normal rate is eighty dollars an hour, but I'm going to do it here for twenty, right, or something <laughs> like. And you find, um, you know, I've gotten some good deals that way. And for mm-hmm. long term, you know, for long term gigs. Uh, the feedback, like I'm willing, more willing to take a risk on somebody who 
doesn't have a ton of feedback because you're you're looking to hire them for you know months and months and months at a time, mm-hmm. and and you don't necessarily want them to be showing a bunch of like job churn or like you know a bunch of like right. hey I did a bunch of two hour gigs and now I'm bidding on this full time thing, so you know in that sense I've taken a chance as long as they're like I guess if they're using their real name or like you know if they're if right. they have some sort of online digital footprint like and you can tell like they didn't just flame out their last account with terrible feedback and now they're starting right. over it's like yeah, yeah okay this is you know this is them this is this is legit <laughs> that's a great tip so that is the one exception i'd have for someone who doesn't have a lot of feedback because those type of people are pretty cool okay so we've done assessing the need post the job pre-screening yep and then L is for leverage or manage because honestly, Apple spelled with an M doesn't sound very good. <laughs> okay. It'd be Appma, uh, which isn't nearly. Anyway, so L for leverage is job. That's when you're actually hiring them. The two best tips for that by far is that number one, have them work just for a couple hours, no matter what the job is. Well, I guess if it's a three hour job, you don't have them work for two hours, but have them work for a very short period of time and then come back with you. Um, that is that is very useful. That will save you, especially starting off. You think you're crystal clear on doing something, and you explain it to them, and then they it, and they you know chances are you didn't do a good job of explaining to them. It's just how it is when you're trying to delegate uh, work anywhere, regardless if it's halfway around the world. It can be your cube mate, right? It's just, it, it, it doesn't matter who it is. Um, but yeah, people this, that reminds you of like this drill. Did you ever do this in elementary school where the teacher says, okay, you know, draw, write me instructions on how to draw a stick figure. And you're like, shit, this is a piece of cake. You're like, okay, draw a circle, make a line coming out the bottom. And you know, then she, of course she plays devil's advocate and makes a circle like the entire size, the entire chalkboard, the little squiggly line coming out the bottom. Like, no, that's not what I meant. But you know, you really gotta be that detailed with, with a lot of this stuff. Right. I, and so one tool, one tool I've used is uh, Jing uh, for um, for screen recording. Record these quick tutorial videos, send them off, and it's like, hey, you just walk through step by step by step, and then they can follow along with the instructions. That is an excellent tip, just because the pictures are worth a thousand words, and especially that kind of goes to my my second kind of best practice is um, for most jobs I do, I at least. I at least try and go through what I want them to do, especially if it's a longer job. I at least want to go through it once so I am familiar with the questions they're going to have. And then, like you said, if you record it and you're like, okay, I want you to do this. And then I, you know, and I searched for this term and I found this and I clicked on here and, and, and just kind of, kind of step through that, then that can, that can really clear up a lot of things. And, and again, you're starting slow because eventually you can you can just bust it and you can unleash them and they can come back to you 40 hours of work later. You don't have to worry about it, but you don't want to start that at the beginning because then inevitably they're going to go and waste a bunch of time. They're going to be frustrated. You're going to be frustrated and you're going to swear never to use a VA again. And that's a sad, sad place to be in. Yeah, set um, yourself, set both parties up for success by exactly. by doing it yourself, doing it yourself first and kind of documenting that process step by step. And um, and being available to answer their questions when when something comes up. I just got done with my first like uh, extended outsource writing project, and it ended up being a pretty pretty good learning experience mm-hmm. um, because it came back um, technically she wrote about twelve thousand words for me, so it was you know, nice. a decent a decent length. But it came back and it was technically proficient. It, you know, there wasn't any typos. It was written in English and stuff. Right. But I had one look at it and was like, I can't use any of this. Like, this isn't, like, I had to literally delete 
the whole thing and just re- <laughs> rewrite it. Like it wasn't me. Like it wasn't comfortable in my voice. Like right. I wasn't comfortable putting my name on it. Right. And that was something I wasn't really prepared for with, with, I was like, you know, Hey, I gave her the outline and, and that was, it was, like I said, it was a good learning experience, but let's, we can, that was a little bit of a tangent. So, okay. We've, we've gone through uh, all the letters. We're up to E. So, so well, going back to that one. So, so you think if maybe she would have given you something like, like the first couple pages or how would you have avoided that in, in the, in the future that would have been an excellent idea <laughs> could have been like hey you know once you have send me your first thousand words right. you, that would have been enough to be like oh this isn't going to work out right. um but instead we just did a, a one uh, one time fixed price once it was all delivered right and um and then the sad thing was you know i still left her okay feedback because she followed the directions it was fine right but right. then she was pissed I didn't leave her five stars. It was like, I was able to use literally none of this. Like, this is not five-star work. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, those are tricky because when you think you thought of everything and you go and you do your due diligence and you completely forget that, like, well, their voice isn't going to sound like mine or their writing style or or they, they're too dry or they're too funny or whatever. It's Yeah, you don't, you don't think of those things. Yeah, I think, you mean, this lady, she said she was from... Canada, but her, you know, her Skype said Australia and it just, there was something different. Like it didn't seem like it was from a native English speaker. I don't know. The language was just a little bit off. I don't know. Right. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the sort of thing that it's, it's, you know, it's good to try and manage that ahead of time. And, and like you said, that gets to the last part of it, which is the E, which is ending the job. How do you, how do you end it? And, and, you know, one of the things, uh, is, is the communication with, with the VAs uh, as far as if they do a good job, if they do a bad job. Um, one thing that, honestly, I go back and forth on, I don't have a good fast rule because I've tried it both ways and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But if you have a VA and they're just not doing a great job for you, but you don't want to, like, you know, they're trying their best, but it just isn't working because they don't have the skill set or whatever, you know, sometimes I'll go and I'll say, hey, that's great, and then, and then I'll, I'll, I'll thank them, and I'll, I might even give them a bonus or whatever, I, but then I won't give them five stars. I'll give them, like, three stars or four stars, and then they just freak out. And, and I realize that, you know, three stars is, like, really, really bad, if, if especially if you're starting off. And, and if yeah. it's some poor guy, and, and this, is his only, this is his only access to a job outside his country, and this is the only site he is aware of, this is, like, this like wrecks his world. You know, and so, so then he flips out, and then I'm, he's like, "Oh, yeah, this is terrible." And then a lot of times I'll, uh, I'll change it back, and and I, I guess for me, what it comes down to is the attitude. If someone's really trying, um, and they're doing their best, um, I might give them. I guess I'd never give someone full five stars across the board if they just don't have the skills. But I'll give them like a, I mean, I'll give them like a four point five, and then and then the comments I'll say things that aren't really. I don't know. Just kind of water it down because yeah, I feel sorry yeah, yeah, for yeah. it. You know, there's. I think you bring up a really, really good point about the great inflation that happens on right. these platforms, because you, you, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, there's a tendency to not say anything at all because this is somebody's livelihood you're potentially messing with, and you don't want to. 
as much as it, like I feel like I kind of owe it to the next person to be like, look, this is this is not the guy you want. Right. Um, so there's some of that from the employer standpoint, but from mm-hmm. the employee standpoint, hey, this is this is their livelihood. You know, if you go out and flame them with a right. you know two star review without giving them the benefit of the doubt, like ah, I'm I'm with you. It's it's a tough spot to right. be in, and you definitely like yeah, I'm, you almost you almost want to err on just like. Hey, I'm just not going to leave any feedback. Um, right. Yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to compromise my integrity by like lying for you. Right. Right. But I'm. I yeah. I, that's that's definitely a tough one. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess you know sometimes I do get attitude, and I will. You will run across the VAs where they just didn't try, they don't care, and they get mad, and then I'm more likely to. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences with Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. So let's kind of move into, uh, I don't know, we'll call this the the virtual assistant uh, lightning round or something, so, uh, kind of the tools and resources that, uh, that you should be aware of that are at your disposal. So we've talked a lot about Elance. We've talked a little bit about Odesk. Uh, I know you're a fan of Odesk. I personally... Um, when I post a job there, it's like crickets. I'll get like five times as many responses on Elance. I don't know if it's just like my profile isn't as built out or whatever it is, but you know, those are the kind of the two main, um, you know, freelance platforms that, that you can reach a huge, you know, huge network of, Mm -hmm. of, of freelancers. But, um, my other favorite, um, outsourcing or, or just sourcing, uh, platform of the moment is definitely Fiverr. Like that's my oh, first yes. stop for, for just about anything these days. Yep. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with Fiverr. It's it's amazing. One of the cool things I, I was trying to figure out how that business model works. Uh, best I can figure out, there's there's two groups of people. There's the people that well, three groups. There's the people that five dollars. They're they're in a country where it's a low cost of living, and so they can crank out something as decent quality for five dollars legitimately and take them a couple hours. Um, but then there's the second group of people are those that upsell you. Yes. And you know they're like, hey, for five dollars I'll do this, but if you want it in a day, it's an extra ten dollars. Um, and I mean that's totally a legitimate way to do it because you can test the water waters with five dollars, and then you can you can go back to them, and it's really quick, it's really easy. There's a lot less overhead as far as doing things. There are more people that on there that I mean there are a number of people that that are kind of some misses, but you can look at the profiles and 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 see how they're doing. Next on my list is a um, kind of a task based. Uh, virtual assistant service. And so in the U.S., the, the most well-known one is Fancy Hands. And uh, overseas, there's a couple. Uh, FSI is really well-known in Pakistan. And MyTasker is, has gotten good reviews out of, uh, out of India. Sure. You ever use any of these type of deals? I have not. I've, I've heard of other people doing them. I guess I always, and I just have to get over this, but I always feel like I'll, I'll do a job and I want to be quick, but then I want to expand it. And I'm like, I feel bad if it's like a, I don't know, it seems like it's kind of limited and like I'd want them to do more than, than they, they feel comfortable doing for the price point. So I haven't looked at them, but, but I don't know, maybe I just got to get over it and, and just take the plunge. Yeah, these guys, so their their model works. It's a monthly subscription fee, and you get a fixed number of tasks. You can send them sure. generally 15-minute tasks or 30-minute tasks per month that you can send over, and they handle for you. So, um, for example, what, like I'm, <laughs> I'm so, so we're coming, we got this trip coming up. And so I was yeah. like, what, where's the best place to, to get some, some yen? I need some Japanese money. Like where, you know where can we find this exchange near us or something? Um, you know, find me a local pharmacy that will give me a typhoid vaccine. Um, awesome. You know, and just, you know, stuff like that. Um, just right, right. stuff you can't be bothered with. And it's, it's very, it's, it's addicting and it's a little bit empowering to be like, ah, I don't have time for that. Or I, I can't be bothered with that. I'll have my virtual assistant do it. And right. Right. Um, checking in for Southwest flights. Like they're, they're good at kind of this one-off stuff. They just, don't want to be bothered with. So they have a pool of people, I guess, then, or? Yeah, so they're a, um, a cloud-based service, right? So it's a distributed uh, workforce. So you, right. you send off your task, it goes into this queue, and then whoever's available um, can, can go in there and pick it off. I love that. I'm definitely gonna. It seems like it seems like Siri on steroids, which would be a great donate donate name. <laughs> get it, grab it. No, yeah, but, quick, get in there. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like uh, Siri. Can you uh, tell me the uh, you know make reservation for this or whatever? And yeah, and, totally. Uh, it's just, it's like you know, it's like a human virtual assistant <laughs> for whatever right. <laughs> whatever the name would be. I think that's called a person. Yes, it's a personal <laughs> assistant service. I guess so. Right. Awesome. So uh, next on my list is um, Virtual Staff Finder, which is um, a well-known uh, recruiting company, I guess, or a, a matchmaking service. Yep. You use those guys? Uh, I don't, but I, I interviewed Chris Ducker, and I think he's got a great thing going on there. Okay. So for a one-time fee, they'll um, source you three candidates in the Philippines, work-from-home people. Um, once you decide on who to hire, you pay them directly yourself and the rates for these guys are crazy affordable i mean 500 bucks for a full-time va is not unreasonable um so super the other alternative in the philippines is called onlinejobs.ph 
mm-hmm. which is um, I've been using a lot this summer. It's um, basically a, a resume directory or, or jobs board. So, you know, you can go on there, search for people based on their skills and qualifications. And then if you want to contact them, that's when you have to pay. Or if you want to post your job, that's when you have to pay. It's a monthly subscription for $49 a month at this point. So it's sort of like a Craigslist type of trying to find people with particular skills? Yeah, it's like a vetted, a vetted, a vetted well, semi-vetted. You know, people can upload and they have different skills tests they can take and they're self-rated on a bunch of different areas. Sure. So they've, they've put together a pretty useful site there. Um, you get a, if, Depending on what skills you're looking for, you get a ton of candidates back. So it was a lot of work screening the people, but it was... Right, right. You know, the advantage of that over an Elast or an Odesk is you're not paying the, you know, you're paying the fee. You're paying the true rate once you hire that person. Sure. But you also sure. don't have any recourse if they flake. <laughs> right. And you don't have, you know, any of the Elant or, you know, any of the buyer protections. Sure. Um, next service I have on my list is called Tweaky, which is a um, kind of on-demand WordPress or website, uh, you know, tweaking service. You know, if you have, like we talked about that one stubborn uh, graphic or button you can't get to move over there you want this white space over here they'll take care of it for you for 39 bucks a month a new competitor to them that i just uh, heard of recently is called wp curve uh-huh. they're running a membership um you know monthly subscription fee i think it's like 69 bucks a month unlimited website tweaks i'm really oh, wow. really curious to check uh to check those guys out yeah you ever you, you ever heard of them? <laughs> no, no, I've I've got a VA that does my web stuff for me, but uh, that that sounds really interesting. Yeah, definitely one that's that's worth checking into. Um, they're really new, so I'm curious where they um, you know where they go with it, how it takes off, how it grows. Yeah. For the and so I would consider all that stuff kind of like on the microsourcing side, you know, Fiverr mm-hmm. included, and some of these like, tiny Elance Odesk jobs, Tweaky, WP Curve, very like microsourcing, fancy hands microsourcing. On the sure. crowdsourcing side, I just have one note, and that's for, uh, I think it's, it lends itself really well to design stuff. So mm-hmm. you know, there's 99 designs and then half a dozen um, you know, rip-off sites that use the same right. kind of model where you submit for a logo design, and it's like it's pretty expensive. It's like $2.99. Right, right. Um, but then you, the benefit is you get to, instead of hiring one designer on Odesk, you're going to get all these designs back from a bunch of different people and you can kind of pick and choose the best of, of all the different ideas. So I think it's really cool for that stuff. I agree. I, I used them for a previous business I had. And even though I think I'm pretty good at using VAs um, for artistic stuff, um, even for someone I've worked with that's really good, that that's really awesome at one area, a lot of times I don't know exactly what I'm looking for. And I feel kind of bad because I have to pay for you know three or four hours of their work. And then they come up with a concept, and then if I don't like it, not only am I like wasting my time, I feel, but I'm rejecting them as an artist, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's it just it's just slow, but yeah, you go on 99 designs, and you can have like 10 to 30 to 40 people with ideas, and the first round is awesome because you're like, I like this, I don't like this, I like this, I don't like this, and you get all these ideas, and then you, your idea can kind of evolve and change until you get that that perfect idea. So. You know, for me, I, I agree. Like three hundred bucks or whatever that it typically runs is kind of pricey, but you get something quick, 
and uh, you know, for for the speed and the quality of what you get, I mean, it's well worth it. Yeah. So here's my poor man, uh, poor man's ninety nine designs. So go go to Fiverr and grab yourself ten different designers. It'll be out fifty bucks. <laughs> yes. And and pick which one you like the best. <laughs> and then have a VA post his jobs for you. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Jonathan, great stuff. Thanks so much for coming on the show. We're, let's wrap up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. It doesn't have to be about outsourcing if you don't want, and then where people can connect with you online. Sure. I guess my number one tip is when you're working with people um, around the world, uh, outsourcing, uh, whatever, just don't forget that they're people. And, and you know, you can develop a really, really great relationship. You know, your business, when you think about all the things you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it, at the end of the day, it's relationships that make things grow. And you can, you, there's just an amazing opportunity to go out and, and meet some great connections, um, do some serious damage on your business. Um, but also connect to a lot of awesome people around the world. So I love it. Um, and you can find me at yourfirstvirtualassistant.com, or you can also find me on Facebook at Facebook slash the Outsource Guy. Um, either one of those places. I'd love to love to see people's questions and comments. So awesome! Thanks so much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for having me. It was awesome. It was awesome. And to Jonathan's last point, I, I definitely didn't expect to hear that. We don't, we don't pre-script these things. His point about being, uh, this being a relationship business, a people business, even though it's virtual, these are still real people. And, and I can definitely speak to that. You know, I've been with my original development team since 2005. And these guys I first connected with on guru.com back in the day. I mean, we've had our ups and downs like any relationship. But wow, I definitely lucked out in making such a valuable connection so early on. And, um, and I've had my most recent VA uh, for over a year. So I'm really excited um, about that. And, and beyond, you know, just like, you know, the, the relationship aspect, there's, there's a huge business expense and headache when it comes to training somebody new and their ramp up time. Uh, one correction, I misspoke about Tweaky being $39 a month. It's really $39 per tweak. Uh, so just, you know, make a note of that. Uh, any questions about any of this stuff, more than happy to help. I know Jonathan and I probably could have gone on for hours. So check out all the links at SideHustleNation.com slash episode 27 and drop your question in the comments there or shoot me a note. It's Nick at SideHustleNation.com. And that's it for me. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, go out there, make something happen, and I'll see you next week in episode 28. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.